you found your way back to Making Sense of Pets, the podcast. We're your hosts, veterinary technicians Angela Ilya, Ryan Frazier, and I'm Becky Mosser. And hey, which one of you guys got pets for Christmas? Not it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It. Pets are popular Christmas presents, no matter how you feel about it, whether it's good or it's bad, and, and there's a lot to debate. Um, we know that pets are a big part of the holiday season, and so this week, uh, we thought we would help you guys pick pet professionals. Yeah, it's really important, I think, when, especially when you're getting your first pet, uh, you may not know, uh, your local veterinarian, you may not know kind of what kind of pet professionals you may need help with in the future, so this podcast, uh, today just wants to point you in the right direction and help you sort out the incredibly complicated world of how to choose the best pet professionals for your new or existing pet. Yeah, even if you didn't get a new pet, it's great to use this as kind of a start of where to go um, with this year coming up. Yeah, and you guys uh, already know, I actually got a pig. I got a mini pig, and so I am um, <laughs> You hope among... it's mini. It's mini now. It may not be mini yes. forever. Mini today. <laughs> I will keep you updated on that. Um, it was a gift from my sister, and I, I have expressed in the past an interest in owning a pig. And when she brought him in, she said he'll be anywhere between forty and a hundred pounds. Um, yeah, so I have I have that. But it, just like you said, Angie, the truth of the matter is, is I don't necessarily know a pig veterinarian in my area. I have a lot to learn, and so this episode is actually I, I think we're gonna just personally do this for me. I appreciate it because. I need some help learning what to do with my pigs. So um, you guys make a really good point. And, and, and Ryan, you're right. If it's not a brand new animal, you may come into a situation you've never come into before. Maybe you're looking for a groomer. Maybe you have to travel and you've never left them um, at a boarding or a daycare facility or had a pet sitter. So there are a ton of pet professionals out there. And knowing how to pick them is really important. And I don't know if you guys notice this or not, but I think a lot of times I feel like um, pet professionals are maybe not really super handpicked and that, you know, um, there's a lot of background information that we want to get when choosing any type of professional. Yeah, especially these days, uh, we're moving more towards like app based things like we're so connected to the internet and our phones and um, people are creating things uh, like dog walking apps where you can order, you know, just like seamless or something you can order a a dog walker to your door sporadically um, during the day or you know you can literally click a button and somebody you don't know will come to your home or whatever and take care of your animal while you're away so it takes away from you know kind of the older school type uh, ways of finding a professional word of mouth asking you know meeting people in person as they're walking say the neighbor's dog in the building or something like that so we're moving away from actually having personal relationships um guide us in our pet professional choices to sometimes, you know, a dangerously easy way of ordering someone you don't know uh, to come over and and take care of your pet. So there's a balance here. Um, I think that people need to be, you know, conscientious of when they're picking their, their, their professionals. Yeah, we can definitely break it down into um, different groups of pet professionals. So let's start talking about um, the veterinary clinic. So how do you guys choose the best vet clinic for your your pets? Well, I would always recommend starting with 
those closest to your home. Um, one of the most convenient things you can possibly have is a veterinarian uh, in your neighborhood. So I would start just with a simple Google search of your area if you're not familiar with the uh, veterinarians that are kind of directly located around your home. And then start looking at uh, different websites that have reviews, you know, Google reviews, there's Yelp reviews, um, see if anybody that you know in the neighborhood who has pets uses their vet, uses that veterinarian. Um, and it's a really good thing to pick one closest to home because you want to be able to get there uh, if you have an emergency or you know you just want it to be convenient to take care of your pet. But please, if there's not a good one <laughs> near you that has really nice reviews, take that time, travel a little bit further until you can find a veterinarian that's well recommended by the community that they're serving. Yeah, now working in marketing, I've noticed that you got to take kind of the reviews with a grain of salt because veterinary medicine is such a high, high emotional um, aspect of things. So just I would look at overall reviews and not just one in particular. Yeah, that's super smart because there's you're right. There's a lot of emotion behind it when I'm looking at reviews. Um, for any kind of professional, I tend to look more at the negative and see how extreme I feel that they are. If these are like really, really extreme reviews that, you know, that this veterinarian hates pets and he, he's in it for the money and it's all this like really heavy, heavy stuff, I think this is probably a really emotionally based review. Um, and then when I look at the positive reviews, I'm looking for things like people who say this veterinarian has been my vet for over X number of years and yeah, and we've brought all our pets to him. Maybe a story of a time that a veterinarian went way above and beyond for that particular client. Those are things that I look for to try to get a feel of how genuine the reviews really are. But I do think they're a great place to start. And I think, Angie, you're right about the proximity of your house, just because when we think about emergencies and convenience and being really consistent with our pet care, our preventatives, having a convenient place to go near our house or on our way to and from work, I think kind of just helps us to not put it on the back burner because it's less of a um, chore to do whatever it is we need to do when we go by the veterinary office. But one tip I like to pass along for choosing a veterinarian is based on your pet, your level of comfort, and just sort of that gut instinct. I really think that if you um, are going to a clinic where you feel like they take all the time that you need, if they answer your questions, if you feel really comfortable, it's it's a win. It's a good match. I think if you go into a vet clinic and you feel rushed and you feel hurried and you don't feel like you're getting that personal connection, then I think it's worthwhile to shop around a little bit. And I think some people kind of get hesitant. They feel bad. They get almost like a brand loyalty. But it's much like your pediatrician, right? Like you should have an absolute level of trust and understanding with your veterinarian. Yeah, absolutely. And and a lot of times you can if you're calling around and maybe you've never been to a vet before, um, a lot of clinics are starting to offer things like a free first visit or a discounted first visit. So these things can be like a really good way to go into an office uh, by appointment and kind of feel around, see how their front desk staff treats you, see how other people are treated, uh, see how they treat your animal. And you don't have to be out a lot of money um, to kind of sample per se uh, the vet veterinary clinics in your area if they're offering like a free or discounted first visit. Um, But also 
I wanted to just mention that when you're choosing a a place to go, you know, there are things that you can look for. Um, Like in my, well, where I work, we have general practice, but we're also an emergency and specialty care center. So if you can find some place potentially that has, you know, some ability to see you on an emergency level and on a regular, like, I just need vaccines or a yearly checkup. Uh, sometimes that's not available in the area, but if it is, I would recommend kind of trying to choose a place that has more options for you. Heaven forbid your pet should be sick. Um, need the care of a specialist or an emergency doctor it's always nice if you can uh, pull up a file that has your dog's history in it from you know your daytime doctor and be seen in the same area in the same building uh, for a potential emergency or a specialty surgery or you know anything like that i would also suggest um when you're making your first appointment to go into a vet clinic actually go there to make the appointment because then you get to kind of to see how things flow. Um, smell for, is a big thing for me. I, I don't want a vet clinic that smells like pet urine or pets or anything like that. Sure. Just because it, it just makes me feel that it's cleaner. Um, but just going in there, making the first appointment um, in person, and then you get to meet the staff too and make sure that the front end staff is really friendly and um, they don't look stressed and all that kind of stuff. So... I would try to make your first appointment in person if you can. Um, also, for me, emailing is a big thing. I like the way that you communicate is really important. So I like to work with doctors that are willing to email me instead of having to call on the phone all the time. Yeah, I think in general, finding a clinic that works for you is really important, right? So can you make appointments through the means that you feel the most, um, you know, are the most convenient for you, whether it's a chat base or an online appointment scheduling or if it's calling? Um, Find a clinic that has hours that work for you, right? Like, so you're not having to take time off of work. There's clinics that are open on Saturdays. There's some that aren't. There's clinics that are open on Sunday. There's some that aren't. Some have wellness plans where you can, you know, be paying a small amount of money every month to be um, getting that the wellness care that you need. Others do not. Some have um, options through credit lines, outside credit lines. Some will, you know, do what works best for them. So I think find a clinic that just works with your time, your schedule, and your personality because then you're probably most likely, I think, to mesh really well. And, you know, Ryan, to your point about how you feel, how the front desk makes you feel, kind of just that vibe. I love a clinic that has laughter. Like I want to hear, I want to see people goofing around a little bit. I want to hear laughter in the background. Um, If you are in a clinic where there seems to be really good camaraderie, these guys are going to work really good together um, in my experience. And when they work really well together, they're probably going to do a really great job with patient care. Not always, but we've got some things to go off of. Um, I want to ask your guys' opinions on certifications because one thing we can look at when we're choosing a veterinarian or a veterinary clinic, our certifications such as, um, you know, AHA or American Animal Hospital Association memberships, feline-friendly practices, fear-free certifications. What types of certifications do you guys look for? And how do you, like, how much value do you put in them? For me, um, I, we just went through at Veterinary Specialty Center of Seattle, we just went through our recertification of AHA. And it just got me like remembering how important it is. There's only 12 to 15% of 
um, animal hospitals in the U.S. and Canada that are AHA certified. And there's over 900 um, different things that we have to get to. So record keeping, how we clean, um, how we do patient care, um, anesthesia, surgery, all that kind of stuff is in there. And we have to make sure that we get a certain mark. Um, so I think AHA is really important to me. Yeah, I, I am also, my facility is, is VEX certified also. So the Veterinary Emergency and Critical Care Society um, sets guidelines to emergency and specialty practices. So if you're looking for an emergency center in your area, I would definitely look um, to see if that facility was VEX certified and also what level. So there's different levels um, that you can be certified at and they have basically approved different levels of critical care. Uh, so if you are really searching for, you know, heaven forbid you need an emergency clinic, um, it's always good to research these things before you're actually having an emergency. You don't want to be in the car with fluffy, um, you know, Googling things on, on your way to a doctor. You know, these, it's so, I can't stress enough the importance of of researching a place before you actually need to go into that place. So um, keeping some numbers on your fridge of places that you've uh, that you've looked at uh, is a really good idea, so that you already know that you kind of trust these people to take care of your pet in in an emergency. And those certifications are very rigorous; they have to be made every year. Um, things like AHA inspections happen, where people physically come in and look at these hospitals and make sure they're providing the gold standard of care and equipment in their facility. So you can really, uh, if you can't trust like a Yelp or Google review, you can really put your trust in to these certifying agencies and know that someone physically came in and inspected all of the important critical areas of providing good quality veterinary care and has given them this stamp of approval on a national level. Yeah, I, I think it just sort of gives some indication of the effort that's been put in I know that there's a lot of cost and there's a lot of time and energy that goes into these types of certifications, whether it's cat-friendly practice, fear-free, um, AHA, VEX, all of these different certifications that can be brought into a clinic. So um, it's not actually something every clinic can do, but it is absolutely standards that they should be very familiar with and that they should be able to demonstrate um, their ability to meet. And in some cases, clinics will say exceed, um, but but without being under the constraints of, of this you know, if they're not able to meet the means of the financial um, commitment. But I really think if you have an option for, for these clinics that are going above and beyond for these certifications, it's a great place to start um, to to know that the, they've put a lot of time and effort into providing the best patient care and the best patient outcomes, which is which is incredibly important. So, um, and, and Angie, I just want to like reiterate what you just said is so important, right? We You really need to know the closest emergency center that will see your pet 24 hours a day, no matter what. So, yes. so know where it is, know the phone number, be ready, um, and hopefully it's the type of thing that you're ready and you never have to use. And just for you, Becky, always call first to make sure they see the type of pet that you have. So if you have an emergency clinic, they may not be familiar with baby pig medicine, but you may have a baby pig emergency. So you want to be sure that if you have like a little critter at home, like a guinea pig or a little bunny, uh, you want to make sure that you call the facilities around you, um, especially emergency clinics, and make sure that they have a uh, you know, doctors there that have the ability to diagnose and treat your exotic or maybe unusual pet that's not a cat or a dog. 
Yeah, I, 100% right. Like, you might have an everyday veterinarian. It's no problem. But um, finding emergency care that will do a good job. For me, it looks like we're about two hours out from emergency care for our piggy if it's after yeah. hours service. So, um, you know, it's a very important thing to know. And another important thing to have into consideration if I'm worried about him after hours is knowing that I have a two-hour drive if anything starts to go wrong. Um, that's a long time. And we know things can go down downhill fast, you know. So it's it's you're absolutely right. In, in, in the moment, there's nothing worse than being turned away. Like, right, like you show up and they're like, we can't help you. And it, whether you're the the staff or the individual, it's terrible feeling of, I'm sorry, we can't help you. You have to go somewhere else. Um, we want to help you and you want help. And so um, it's, it's, it is the worst case scenario, right? Like it's the most heartbreaking scenario. Yes, absolutely. We all yep. are there because we love animals and we want to help right. them. So it's, uh, it's, it's just as uh, distressing, I think, for the staff, right. of the veterinary, you know, team than, than as it is to the owner and to the pet because we yeah. want to help you. We just like can't. Yeah, <laughs> by, right. We're not by equipped. Our we know we can't do good medicine. Our doctor's right? knowledge, you know, we cannot safely yes. uh, wing our way through this goat dystocia or whatever. You know, like we just can't. Right, and 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 that's exactly it. You, like you, you're like, I want to, and I'm, I'm not, I don't have the equipment, or then I can't do it. Right. Yeah. Or the education to do it. You know, when it comes to veterinarians, I think there's there's so much. And it's so it's so important to us. I think it's so heartfelt from us because we want you and your pets to get the best veterinary care, whether you have a piggy, a dog, a cat, a horse, a goat, uh, whatever you've got. We want someone to be able to take good care of it and to help you help your pet. Um, the last thing I want to remind people um, for finding a vet clinic is check out who's on staff. So if at all possible, you want to have a clinic that has veterinary technicians on staff um, and not just someone that maybe has learned on the job or veterinary assistants only because veterinary technicians in most states, um, they have to graduate from a college um, and I think it's just setting a higher standard of veterinary medicine. So they're graduating from a college, they're taking a national test, um, and then they have these basic skills that veterinary technicians need um, when working with your pets. Yeah, and you can always ask your uh, your veterinary clinic that you're interested in. Anybody on the staff, like the front desk, uh, can can should be able to answer whether or not the the nurses or the technicians in the facility are licensed um, if they're if it's if it's a right to practice state you may not know if it is but a simple google search of your state and um, veterinary technician licensing will will pull up whether or not it's required by law that the veterinary nurses be uh, having a license like ryan said they have to go to school and pass an exam some states don't have this law so you may just um, find that it's an on-the-job trained individual someone who's been working in the clinic with the doctor that's learned how to do things like draw blood and place catheters uh, in other states it's actually illegal for a layman per se to come in and be called a veterinary technician and be allowed to do these things so in my state of new york uh by law you should be going to school passing your boards and then becoming a veterinary technician but a lot of the general practices still uh go behind the law and hire people that are not educated or licensed to be their nurses so it's if it's important to you and it's as important to your state law uh just call the front desk and say 
hey, listen, do you have um, licensed veterinary technicians here or do you guys have on-the-job trained uh, technicians? And if that's something that's really important to you, you can pick and choose your veterinary clinic based upon whether or not they uh, are following the laws of your state or if they have chosen in a state where it's not the law to go ahead and hire those uh, qualified individuals to be their technicians, then you can choose accordingly. Yeah, it's such an important point, right? Like we know that there is a shortage of these individuals and they are sometimes hard to find, but that they do bring a higher level of medicine. And and I think it's a scary thing. Um, A lot of individuals out there don't necessarily even know that you could be performing anesthesia without ever actually having gone to school to learn um, the ins and outs of it. I think most people make an assumption that everyone in the clinic has a formal education. So it's an important point to know that that they may not. And I think the most important takeaway from that is, is that the information is out there. You do a little bit of research, put a little effort in just, uh, I think a lot of times people are just thinking, oh, I'm going to just see my neighborhood veterinarian. But it's not what they would do when they were seeking medical care for themselves. They would be looking for higher level educations, higher level certifications. And that those types of things are, are readily available on the veterinary side too. Yeah, and once you pick your clinic and you've built a relationship with them and you and you start to get to know uh, the staff there, you can use them as a resource for finding literally any other pet professional that you may need. So starting out finding a good veterinarian clinic and making that relationship can lead to making finding the rest of your pet professionals so simple. Um, like, for instance, a lot of the nurses at, at my clinic also do uh, on-the-side pet sitting and dog walking cat sitting, uh, medication administration for owners. So, you know, once you find a good veterinary practice, they can point you in the right direction to find very reliable help in all of the other areas for your pet as well. Okay, so say you don't have uh, a veterinarian just yet, you're going to take all of our tips and tricks and find one, but you still have to do that. In the meantime, what are some of the other things we look at when we're trying to find pet professionals? So when we talk about things like groomers, for example, um, what are some some things we want to be paying attention to when we're picking our groomers? Um, For me, I want to make sure that um, if the state that I'm living in requires that they have a license, to make sure that they actually do have a license or they are certified for groomers. Um, I want to know about the products that they use. I don't want any harsh chemicals used on my pets or anything like that. Um, And then ask about any... um, They want to make sure that they're asking about medical history when you're picking a groomer. Um, And then if you can, get a tour of the facility and make sure to ask all those questions. We always hear about the horror stories where... Um, a dog is left with a, on a dryer for extended periods of time and they have to go to the ER clinic because they're uh, hyperthermic or anything like that. So make sure that you're taking a tour of the facility. Ask about maybe emergency procedures that they have there. If they can't get a hold of you, what do they do with your pet? All that kind of stuff is what I would check in when I'm looking for a groomer. Yeah, especially if you have... Uh like a brachycephalic breed, like a flat-faced dog or a flat-faced cat, you know, you really want to reiterate to the staff. And you also want to see if they're as concerned as you, right? I think if I walked into a groomer and I I have a French bulldog, so if I brought my Frenchie into the groomer, I would want them to be concerned about putting him under a dryer because he's a flat-faced breed. Like I want him actually to not be dried at all by a dryer. I want him hand-dried and he can, you know, he's not going to die from 
drying by air. You know, he may not be a soft or fluffy, but I'll take it over, you know, hyperthermic uh, heat stroke dog. So you want them to come forward with the problems that could potentially happen with your pet. But you also want to reiterate to them that, hey, listen, my pet uh, may have special needs for the groomer. And I, I need you to be able to follow these, you know, and uh, these guidelines and be able to safely groom my pet. And also, um, you know, ask questions like who monitors the dogs while they're being dried? Is there someone that sits and watches them? Uh, you know, what kind of handling experience do your groomers and your bathers like? So a groomer is different than a bather. A lot of times they'll have someone who like blow, like, uh, you know, washes out the dog and then, you know, the groomer comes in and does like the cute little uh, hairstyles and bows and all that kind of stuff. So there's a couple different types of professionals at your grooming facility and you just want to be able to interact with those people, see what their policies are for monitoring and handling your pet while it's there. Uh, And then you can tour the facility like Ryan said and just make sure everything you know looks good that the people are paying attention to the dogs and cats and that no one is roughly handling a dog that there's no animals being left unattended on grooming tables you know that we all hear like Ryan said the horror stories of you know some of the larger box chains type stores that get you know that pets actually pass away at the groomer so this is one that's kind of like People don't know the dangers of having their pet groomed, so it's important to educate yourself and then use that education to pick an appropriate place. And just like in veterinary practices where they can become fear-free certified, um, groomers can also get a fear-free grooming certificate. Oh, I did not actually know that. Yeah, and basically what that means is that they're taking steps to handle your pets with that doesn't cause fear in the pet. So maybe they're getting giving treats to get them used to doing stuff. They're using pheromones that will help with that. So I would look for even a vet practice or a groomer or anything like that that is fear free certified. I really I like Ryan's point too about you know pay attention to what they're asking you. I think that your groomers should be somewhat discriminant about who they're bringing in and who they're allowing. You know they they should be asking about preventatives. They should be asking about veterinary care and vaccines and um, being a little bit picky. If they're not picky with you, they're probably not picky with about anybody. And you know. Um, your pet could potentially be exposed to some dangerous things because of that. So I think paying attention to the requirements, if it seems a little stringent or like, oh, this is a little much, just know that it's a little much with everybody. And so therefore, you're you're more likely, I think, to have a clean and healthy, happy facility um, when it comes to a groomer. What about when you need a little bit longer care, like um, boarding and daycare when we need to drop our pets off places for the day or maybe for longer? I think this is a time it can be really scary because um, whether the pet sitter is coming into your house or, and, and walking or you're bringing them somewhere, y- you are not involved at that point. And I think this is where it can get uh, extra stressful. Yeah, I travel a lot. And by a lot, I mean a lot. I think I know you do too, Becky. So a lot of the times I obviously rely on my husband's when I'm away for work um, to take care of our dogs. And that literally is the only time I feel at ease. And even then, to be honest, sorry, honey, I worry a lot. <laughs> like, did you remember to feed them? Are all the dogs in from the yard? Like, have you counted a head count lately? Like, <laughs> are the little chihuahuas happy and warm? Like, so even even uh, even when my husband of 10 years is, is watching the dogs, I get nervous. So leaving them with somebody that I don't know is absolutely like vomit inducing stressful for me. So I uh, don't board at clinics or um, 
or doggy daycare, I always prefer to have someone in my home. Um, and I have found the best success and the best uh, kind of calming professional for me is one that I work with. So I like to have the nurses that I work with come over and watch my dogs while I'm away. And a lot of vet clinics, um, like I said before, a lot of the nurses and the, uh, you know, receptionist staff and stuff like that can, can very easily pick up clients on the side and they do a lot of pet sitting and dog walking and, and things like that. So I think that for me, the only person that I trust, um, unfortunately to watch my pet is a medical professional. Heaven forbid there should be an emergency. I want those people to be able to help my pet uh, in its time of need. And I just want to be able to know that someone who uh, I trust, like to care for my pet, like while they're at the vet can also care for my pet for me when I'm away. Yeah, I am. I'm the same way. So I have a family friend um, that comes and watches the dogs if I need to go someplace. But as we're talking right now, I have a dog that I'm pet sitting from from my clinic so he me had, too <laughs> <laughs> he had uh, a knee surgery done um and i he they needed someone to watch him right away after that so yeah uh, i took him home and i started watching him the other main dogs that i pet set for she had a hole in her heart and had the pda surgery so i've I've gotten clients that way and I don't do a lot of pet sitting but this is that's how I'm getting them so I would recommend checking in with your vet Um, Especially if your pet needs medication. Like I actually, like this morning, have to go in to a pet and make sure that he's eating, check his glucose levels, and give him his insulin injection. So um, that pet's owners didn't feel comfortable asking their regular sitter uh, to perform these duties for them while they were away. So uh, their pet had kind of recently been a little bit sick from its diabetes. Uh, If you have a pet with diabetes, check out our diabetes podcast for all the information, by the way. And... uh, You know, she just and actually her regular cat sitter comes at night when I'm not there to visit the cat and do like the litter box and the whatever TLC and just to feed him some fresh food in the evening. But then I come in and do his kind of physical exam, medical stuff in the morning and make sure that he gets the appropriate amount of of insulin and that he's eating and drinking and looking lively and sprightly. And then um, there's another girl who comes at night and does like the regular pet sitting stuff. So you can also like mix the people up a little bit like this woman does and have someone come in like a nurse from your local vet to do like the important medicine stuff and then have a generalized you know dog walker or someone who's just coming in to kind of like give belly rubs and and do the walking or scooping of the litter yeah and when you're looking for uh, a dog walker or a pet sitter or something like that um, and you can't no one at your clinic is able to pet sit for you. Take a look at the bio of the person that you're looking at. So I have a friend, um, her name is Renee and she does pet sitting now. Um, her business is called, uh, day with Renee dog walking, uh, in the Seattle area. So look her up. She's online if you need a pet sitter. Um, but she is a retired vet tech. So she used to be specialized in oncology, um, and decided that she was kind of burnt out from from the clinic life and wanted to do something on her own. And now she started her own business. And like the quality of care that these pets get um, is amazing because she is a she is a retired vet tech. She well, she still is a vet tech, but um, but she catches subtle things. And a lot of the clients that she has are. 
um, patients that um, are allowed, the dogs that she has and cats are patients from the clinic or animals that are kind of older and need help. She helps with um, like post-op surgery animals and she helps with cancer animals where she notices the subtle signs that the owner might not notice and she can cue the owners in. So taking a look at who you're thinking of, looking at their bio, their history, that kind of stuff is really important. I do think that there are some really great options out there, but you have to be really careful. And so when you're using, you're choosing a pet sitter or a dog walker, I think it's great to find out, you know, what their background is, what types of individual certifications they have, such as, um, you know, do they have pet CPR and first aid? What knowledge do they have and what relationships and accessibility do they have to veterinary professionals in case there is an emergency? I think the most important thing is that we don't take things for face value and we, we ask the right questions. We ask a lot of questions and we make sure that they, you know, our, our pet professionals in our pet's life have the answer. Um, and I guess bottom line, at the end of the day, I really feel like trust your gut, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I would always recommend that no matter how you find your pet professional, whether it's at your veterinarian, whether it's through an app-based kind of uh, ordering thing, I don't, I don't know what to call those things, um, but an app-based professional service, then you should just have a time set aside to meet with this person, right? So before I went and gave this, you know, got this job for the insulin cat, I, the woman, I met her at my clinic, I triaged her through ER. uh, And then even though I already knew this woman, and she knew I could care for Connor, I actually went to the apartment, got shown around, met her kids who are lovely. uh, But you know, got to see where she keeps the cat food, where the litter box is, where his favorite places are to hide if he's sick, um, those kind of things. And then I actually went over there a couple times, uh, to not give insulin, but they were, you know, they have kids. So they were like, Oh, I'm going to a school function today at 1 PM. Do you want to like swing by and spend 20 minutes with Connor, um, in the apartment while we're away that so that you guys can get to know each other and things like that in the home. So it's always a good idea that before you leave, introduce these people to your home. You can feel them out, uh, see how their relationship is going to blossom with your pet, see if it works out, uh, and then have them visit a couple times while you're still in town. Um, don't just leave the relationship to like when you're away, just in case something should happen. That way your dog or cat, you know, isn't frightened that like mom and dad are gone. And now this like burglar is coming into our house and then but like wants to walk me and is feeding me. So, uh, you know, it can be a stressful time for your pet as well. Mom and dad are away. And uh, now this weird person is coming in like I like them because they give me food, but I don't really know them that well. So I'd always encourage uh, a little bit of a get to know you kind of honeymoon before uh, you actually leave and need to trust that person with your pet's care. I think it just puts me at ease. It puts the animals at ease. And it's also just like a good way to to try someone out. Like, heaven forbid, it doesn't work out. You don't want it to not work out while you're out of town and you have to, like, struggle to find um, someone else. And on that it's, note, it's always good to have a backup. Like, if your dog walker yes. falls and, and breaks her leg while you're away, you don't want to yes. be like, oh, my God, no one is home to feed Fluffy, you know? So always have a backup or ask that person. Like, a lot of times for me, if I can't go, I make it very clear to the clients that my husband could maybe go. Like, right, he knows how to do some medical things just by helping me um, with some other clients. So I was like, you know, if anything, I can have my husband go in and you know make sure the cat is okay or feed the cat if I get called in for an emergency surgery or something at work you know so I always have a backup plan for the just in case 
That's such an important point. You're absolutely right. Having having somebody that your pet sitter can turn to so that they don't feel like they are, are stuck and that your pet doesn't end up suffering because of that. At the end of the day, it's so important to be prepared. I think I think that's the major message here, right? Is like, yep. you know, be ready know who you're working with, know why you're working with them and yeah. that they are qualified for yeah. your pet and to, to do yeah. this way ahead of time before it, before yeah. it becomes an immediate need. And I, I don't know if this is like going too far, but I, I, well, I work at a vet clinic, so I know that if say my husband or a dog sitter or something had to bring my pet into the clinic, they would just like do what they had to do and I'll pay for it when I get home. Cause like, obviously they know where I am and <laughs> I work for them. So it's not too big of an issue luckily at my clinic to just come in and get treated if I'm away and I just like pay the bill when I come back to work. But if you are not at a clinic where you're, you know, employed, if you're a member of the general public, I like to call in and I would recommend calling into the clinic and saying, hey, listen, I'm going to be out of town uh, for three weeks in January. This person is going to be watching my pet. So if they bring the pet in, I'd like to just have like my credit card on file or something like that so that, you know, there's not a thing where now my dog walker has to pay a $200 emergency exam. You know, I want to be able to like, if I am in another country where I can't be contacted immediately by cell phone i want to be able to know that my clinic has the right to treat like and just stabilize treat do whatever here's my credit card um you know don't worry about payment this person has authorization to you know bring my pet to the hospital and those kind of things yeah we leave um a written consent to treat and uh like a visa card with a certain amount of money on it to just like start things off um so that our pet sitter knows even if it's a you know what you ran out of food or um i uh, spilled the bag of food outside anything happens or the little jerks got into the bag and ate the whole dang thing like and it's gone right (laughs) and she doesn't even if it's a matter of just you need to go out and buy a couple cans of cat food or litter or something crazy it will never have to come out of her pocket but she also always has that written consent to treat my pets that um is very important and I love the idea of calling um, the veterinary clinic ahead of time and letting them know um, and making sure everyone's on on the same page. I think that's a brilliant idea. Yep. You can even add, like at my facility, you can even add in our, we use like a, a program called Cornerstone uh, that keeps track of all of our electronic medical files. So you can actually put in that file system a little pop-up that says like the pet sitter's info um, there, you know, that the pet sitter is allowed to, you know, admit to hospital. You know, you can put these little notes in that says like owner is away, uh, pet sitter has permission to treat. So anybody who goes into your pet's files knows that, oh, if Angie, the the pet sitter comes in with Fluffy, like it's cool. She, you know, this is a normal thing um, and it's okay. Fluffy hasn't been kidnapped. (laughs) Um, I'm just coming in to, to, you know, take care of her. I love it. I want to hear everybody shout out their favorite pet professional on our Facebook page. You know, who is it that comes and takes best care of your pets when you can't be around to love them? Send us pictures or links or just give them a little bit of love on our Facebook page for being the person in your pet's life that you trust the most when you can't be there to care for them. Yeah, you can find our Facebook page at Making Sense of Pets. Uh, You can find us on Instagram at that same handle. You can email us at makingsenseofpets at gmail.com or jump on our website at makingsenseofpets.com. And don't forget to follow, click, share, comment, and listen away to all of our podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. (laughs) Yay!